Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So two very familiar scriptures that uh, I know that you're, for, for Christmas we look at them often, and, and I'm kind of, I'm pulling some things, you know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but I want to read Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse, verse 14, and then we're going to skip over to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. These are the main kind of Christmas passages in Isaiah, but it's not the only places that Isaiah talks about the birth of our Savior. But Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And doesn't that sound very familiar to us? I mean, because we also read that in the New Testament where the angel is talking to Mary. And matter of fact, it goes a bit further and tells us what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means what? God with us. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For us a, a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice, with righteousness from his, this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so I want to kind of skip over now to the New Testament because the, the account I'm fixing to read from is uh, from a man in the New Testament called Simeon. And Simeon actually, when he encounters Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus to be dedicated, he actually refers to what we just read in, in Isaiah chapter 9. But a, a perfect example, I think, of hope is this verse we're about to read in Luke chapter 2. As when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be presented at the temple. And uh, you have to remember something. When Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, there's no halo on Jesus. There's no glow, supernatural glow around Jesus. I mean, Jesus is... Uh, is human and there was really no special significance outwardly but yet through the impression through the work of the Holy Spirit Simeon knew exactly who Jesus was and is in Luke chapter 2 we read about this it says now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was a righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And I think that's very significant because Pentecost hasn't happened yet. And we read about special men and women of God throughout the entire Old Testament that the Holy Spirit rested upon. And here's Simeon, one of those men. And so the Holy Spirit rested upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. That's a good way to come into the church, right? In the influence, the work, the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus 
to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms, blessed God, and said, verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And that is actually very significant. We're talking about this a moment. All peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people of Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I mean, and we read about other places. Matter of fact, there are 61 examples, 61 quotations of Isaiah in the New Testament. And some of those quotes have to do with the birth of Jesus and who he was going to be. I mean, some examples in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, that he would be a light in the darkness. What brings hope more than light being penetrating the darkness? He carried our diseases, we read in Isaiah 53, 4. We see in Isaiah, now I have also, if you see on the screen in your notes, you'll see the New Testament correlation where it talks about this. But Isaiah 42, 4, hope for the Gentiles, that's us here this morning. Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49, a light to the Gentiles. We see it again. Isaiah 53, 12, it says numbered with transgressors. Why does that bring hope? Because we're going to talk about at the end this morning is that Jesus took our sin upon himself that we would know forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father. What greater hope is that? Hope is a confident assurance that God would be true to his word. And so Advent, what does Advent mean anyway? Advent simply means coming. It means coming. He'll also return to our world, not just as a baby, but soon he will be coming king. But when the Messiah, when Jesus Christ first came into this world, you have to realize, we understand that he came into a messed up world. I know when we kind of look at our culture today, it, it looks kind of messed up, right? Or I mean, maybe that's my own, I don't think that's just my own perception, but uh, the Roman world of that first century wasn't a whole lot different, if not worse, than what our culture is right now. And Jesus came into that mess. And it set up a precedent that what Jesus still does is come into our mess. Into the mess of our world. That gives us hope. But once again, we know that there will be a day where we're going to hear the trump of God and the angels shout and the rapture of the church is going to take place. What is hope? Some have described hope as a desiring or expecting good things in the future. And that's a, a good definition. But Scripture also tells us what hope is. Scriptures like Proverbs chapter 20, 10 and verse 28. The hope of the righteous bring joy. The hope of the righteous bring joy. The work of hope brings joy into our life. Matthew 12, 21, we, I referenced this a few moments ago. And, his, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Where is our hope? It's in him. It's in Jesus. That's where our hope is. 
In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, we see in 1 John that, I mean, a scripture we know really well that what God is love. And here we read in Romans 15 that God is also hope. The God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing so the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? You may abound in hope. It is no coincidence to those who, not, and I, I know, I, I want to be careful as I say this, because I know many are watching online, and, and I know the season that we're in, and so many are trying to be careful. But I want to tell you, there's a reason why that those that are attending live in person are the only ones that have increased in mental health and not decreased. Because we understand where the, there is something about coming together. And the more we stay home, the more we watch online, we're going to be more disconnected and more disconnected and not tapped in what the Holy Spirit is doing corporately. May you, the Holy Spirit abound in hope. God's promises bring hope. Aren't you grateful for God's promises? God's promises bring hope. And as I just take the next few moments to share, kind of my I guess my theme uh, what influenced me on this was really the Bible engagement project which most of our small groups have been doing and really just taking those those uh, 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 really a bird's eye view snippets of scripture I think it's been a powerful thing that we've done and kinda I I don't know I guess that kinda influenced me in the way I wanted to share this morning and as I was thinking about and promises bring hope I really thought about Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve you know it it all good bad and ugly it all started with them <laughs> yeah amen um, but you know Adam and Eve unlike us they lived in a perfect world they, they were placed in that garden and it was perfect the scripture talks about the relationship with the father that they had that uh, they experienced it in a way that we have not been really able to experience. It was a very special thing. And they went from living in perfection to living in a fallen world, a cruel world. Matter of fact, the new world they lived in, they had one son murder another, and then that son exiled for the rest of his life. And matter of fact, the son that was murdered when Cain um, killed Abel, the one that did the murdering, that was that. When you look at Scripture, it actually tells that. You look in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, it tells us kind of that was going to be the lineage of Jesus. And when Cain killed Abel, it kind of shifted all that. But God is never taken by surprise. And God always has a promise. I want you to hear me this morning. God always has a promise. Even in the midst of a chaotic world, God still has a promise. And in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25, we read again that, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. It says in verse 26, So Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. I believe that was significant. 
in the midst of loss, in the midst of difficulty, a lineage for Jesus to be born. And those first chapters in Matthew and Luke are set on the stage. God always has a plan and His promises, they bring hope. Adam and Eve had reason to despair. They knew perfection. They knew the fallen world. They had forfeited per- paradise. And, but we have been born in this fallen world and really have nothing to compare it to. But I'm going to tell you, if we rely on God's promises, even in the midst of the difficulty, it will bring hope to us. The Bible says in Psalm 130 and verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His what? Word I hope. His promises. Psalm 119.81, my soul longs for your salvation, and I hope where? I hope in your word. I'm going to tell you something, church. Listen to me. It is a powerful thing to have the encounters of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a powerful thing to have the manifestation work of the Holy Spirit in our life. But when you, when you, when you uh, partner it, when it comes together with the truth of God's Word, it puts a seed, it puts a work, it puts a stability, it puts a foundation in us that we're not going to experience any other way, but that we stand on the promises of God. God's promises bring, so God's faithfulness brings hope. If there is anything that we see through the pages of Scripture, it's God's faithfulness. Amen. That was a good place. That's why I paused right there. That was your cue. Amen. God's faithfulness. I mean, I think about Abraham. 100 years old, his wife Sarah, 90. God had promised that he would have a son through whom and we know the, the facts of life, of the difficulty of uh, uh, that age to have babies. But God promised but God's faithfulness bring hopes, and God would bless the world. I mean, it seemed like an impossible situation. But Abraham, he didn't waver in his trust in God's promises. He was, had a confident expectation, he had a hope that God would keep his word. We read in Genesis chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and you may multi- I may multiply and multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. I don't have a whole lot of time, of course, to get into the Abraham, um, the covenant with Abraham, but here's what you know about Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshiper from the land of your of the Chaldees but God took him and he transformed him and brought him to a new land and promised him an everlasting thing that was going to be very special then God gave him offspring and he promised a son and God would build a family and it would be a nation and it would be a mighty nation and God would use it to bless the world and there's two things about this that jump out number one is this is we, we when you read Hebrew matter, let's look at it I'm gonna kind of jump ahead and I, I want us to read this in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, verse 14, Surely I will bless and multiply you. Look at verse 15. And thus Abraham patiently waited and obtained the promise. 
Now, here's the thing. There's two things that happen in Abraham's life that kind of make me say, you know, kinda, you ever, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have a dog and you, you start talking to your dog and they turn their head and look at you funny. Um, because what about Hagar? You're going to tell me that was waiting patiently? About, you know? Uh, and of course, then he had a big hurdle because God asked him to sacrifice his son, the promised one, Isaac. But I, as I was kind of just processing that, and one very simple thing that I just really felt, I just impressed upon my heart, is that uh, our God is a God that changes facts. He makes things impossible possible. And we may have failures, we may look in the mirror and see all of our mistakes, but you know what God sees in you? He sees His promises. And he's going to work his faithfulness and he sees his plan. And we, that should strengthen us. And that, you know, we are not perfect people. But yet, I mean, and we're going to talk about David in just a moment. I mean, what David, a, an adulterer, a murderer. And what does God call him? A man after God's own heart. Why is that? Because God has a promise. God has a plan. And God is faithful. But think about it. I mean, here, the long-awaited son, and then God asked him to sacrifice him. God, if you've lived this life long enough, if you've been a Christian long enough, what you always find out is, is the work that God's doing inside of you, in whatever vision plan um, that you have set out before you, that there's a lot that happens between now and then. There's a lot that it seems to jeopardize that promise, that vision, that accomplishment. But what do we take hope in? Is that God is faithful that He'll do what He said He will do. He's faithful and He'll do what He said He would do. One of my favorite scriptures, it's not on the screen, but um, I love Joshua 21.45. Maybe you want to jot it down. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed all come to pass. God keeps His promises. But we see that is God's, God's promises bring hope. God's faithfulness brings hope. But God's plan also brings hope. You know, David, when we look at the life of David, you know, to not really, I don't, you know, can't go in the whole depth of it, but, you know, Saul was man's choice and David was... God's choice and of course it, it was God's preference that there wouldn't be a king at all but that God would still be rule supreme but the people called out and so God gave them what they wanted and their man was Saul but God had a different plan and God promised that David would be king God promised not only that but the Messiah would come from David God promised the coming Messiah would be a king. And we see all this happen through David's life. But look at David. I mean, he went from, I mean, his father-in-law wanted to kill him, uh, hiding out in caves. I mean, all the failures that he had. But God's plan always brings hope. God revealed to his people that the Messiah would be the offspring and, uh, uh, from, 
from Seth and from Abraham and from David. God's promises bring hope. God's faithfulness brings hope. And God's plan brings hope. And here's what I want to remind you of something, church, is that God does have a plan and purpose for you still. COVID has not interrupted that. The, the society that we're in, the, the political climate has not interrupted that. God is going to stick to His promises. He's going to stick to His faithfulness because that's who He is. And He's going to work out His plan in our life. And we should be grateful for that. That gives us a, a security. One of my favorite promises in the Psalms is it talks about that it is God that sustains us. It is God that sustains us. But what is His plan? You know what His plan was? His plan was to pay your debt. His plan was to pay your debt. His plan was to forgive you and wash you of every single sin. His plan was to send a redeemer. And so, yes, I pick, I mean, what seems odd in a Christmas uh, sermon, maybe Adam and Eve and Abraham and David, but what we see through each of them is where God promises a redeemer, where God shows an example of a redeemer. And what it tells us is that all through the ages, all through the thousands of years, that God's plan has never been thwarted. And He's accomplished what He's wanted to do, and He will continue to do that. So what is our response is we make a choice for Jesus to be our Messiah. We make a decision that Jesus be our King. Our hope must be in Him. And I'm going to say it again. I don't, you may be sick of hearing it. I don't know. But there is no doubt, no question in my mind what we have been going through since March is God shaking what seemed to be unshakable and what we're seeing is is what really is important how we're really to live our life what how, what is really to be important to us i mean i think about i think i added on there did i add on there I, romans is romans on there romans i mean his plan is very simple you guys know these scriptures romans three twenty three. what does romans three twenty three tell us but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Thank you, Adam and Eve. That infects us. There's nothing we can do that will ever measure up to God's perfect standard except to understand the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, from Adam and Eve... All the way through all the Pentateuch, all the Old Testament prophets, minor and major, all the poetry books, all the historical books, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the prison epistles. That from the beginning to the end, it is to get to us to understand that even though that we were born into a sinful nature, that He still has a plan to forgive us of all of our sins. And he made a way for that to happen. But the gift of God is eternal life. And what does the Bible say in Romans 10, 9? That if we confess, if we simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then we are what? From the moment of Genesis 1 to now, that's been God's 
promise, his plan, and he is faithful to fulfill it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.